Hello and welcome. And finally, under a rock where Brielle and Gerlin has come back to Avatar. <laughs> the last airbender. <laughs> My Dwayne the, 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 the Rock Johnson impression. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. If I do say so myself. Yeah. So yeah, we're back. Yeah, we're back to Avatar. So for those who like how we speak about Avatar, hooray. And if you hate the way that we speak about Avatar, Do sorry. Yep. Get out of here. <laughs> you know, I mean, I hope you liked that uh, that brief um, break where we talked about other stuff and the episodes were like 40 minutes because we're back to like an hour, baby. Yeah, we are. So strap in and grab yeah. some popcorn. Yeah. Let's do this. Because we, because we're talking about the first three episodes of book two today. Mm-hmm. We're already on book two, um, Earth, which is exciting. Yes. You know, a lot of stuff happens in this book. And yeah, so let's get started. What I noticed right off the bat, a lot of this episode, um, the Avatar State, mm-hmm. episode one of book two, mm-hmm. is a lot of it is book one passing the torch to book two because mm. they're wrap they're wrapping up a lot of stuff and they're introducing a lot of stuff mm-hmm. um they show all of ang's past um past moments entering the avatar state yeah right off and even when um a little tiny thing when zuko and iroh at the end mm-hmm. they cut off their ponytails it's like goodbye book one here yeah book two bold cut yeah (laughs) the thing that's like you know that this episode really i think reiterates is how intensely powerful the avatar state is Mm -hmm. like it is not to be used lightly and it is you know a kind of a last resort um for ang i mean Avatar Roku even says that it's like a defense mechanism um, when they're in danger or when they need to like get all of their power from their past lives. Um, it's also really cool that they show you like his past avatars, like a nice little sneak peek of, of you know, what's to come. Mm-hmm. Not to say that like the past episodes where we've seen Aang invoke the avatar state haven't shown the immense power, but like this episode really hits home that it's not a toy, basically, the yeah. use of the Avatar state. Um, something else that I think is really cool is when they leave the Northern Water Tribe and, and Paku says, like, bye, I'm going to go to the Southern Water Tribe and, like, try to, like, apologize and get together with Grand Grand. Um, <laughs> he, he literally calls Katara a master. Like, she's... 14 and she's a master that's amazing like it takes adults years and years and years to achieve that status i mean it takes the avatar years and years and years to not only learn all four elements but to master them all enough to use them that way and she's like i'm 14 i'm a master whatever (laughs) like i believe katara just wanted it so badly yeah she really strived for from the beginning of the whole series. It's yeah. just like, I want to be a waterbender, you know? I mean, she definitely, I think, has the, like, the the natural talent, I yeah. think, definitely. But you're absolutely right. She puts in the work. She definitely puts in the work. She stole, or like, restole, took back yeah. <laughs> a, a water scroll from pirates. Yeah. Just to. Yeah, just to it. learn more. Yeah. yeah Azula's, okay, Azula's introduction is so goddamn badass. Like, she comes on the scene, and everybody, like, bows to her. 
And we know that she's on a mission to like capture Zuko. And, you know, <laughs> she her her captain is like, oh, well, the tides won't let us um, dock. And she's like, oh, really? Mm. With the tides, you know, de- deliberate on whether or not to kill you if I toss you overboard. And he's like, no. And she's like, then maybe you should do what I say because I'm still mulling it over. And it's like. This bitch is 14. Like she, oh, it's such, it's such a great character moment, especially at the introduction of her character, because it tells us so much about her. It tells us not only how intelligent and clever she is, but just how ruthless she is and how intensely focused she is. Like, it's a really, really great introduction to her character. You get everything Like you just, even with the music. Mm hmm. The music, you can tell that this is a very intimidating character. Yes. That takes no type of bullshit. Yeah. Like, everyone on her crew is, like, scared of her. And you can Mm kind of see it. Like, they're all these grown adults. And she's, like, you know, a 14, 15-year-old. And they're, like, Even when she's talking to the, um, I guess, the soldiers, Mm -hmm. she's saying, I know you might have mixed feelings about attacking someone from the royal family. Mm-hmm. Just know if you hesitate, I will take you down. Yeah. Like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> damn. Brilliant voice acting. Yes. Brilliant, brilliant Love voice her. acting. Um. Yeah. Um. Especially because, like, later on, when she's like practicing her firebending, and you know, Lee and Lo are like, "Oh, just a hair out of place, almost perfect," and she's like, "Almost isn't good enough." Like, ooh, mm. that's just, ooh, a defining character moment. And it's all the more heartbreaking when you learn more about her. Yes. Like, why almost isn't good enough. <laughs> um, yeah, but so while she's kind of heading towards Zuko and Iroh, uh, Aang, Katara, and Sokka are in the Earth Kingdom. Um, they're in this, like, town. I don't remember what the name of the town is, if they even say, but... It um, wasn't necessarily a town. It was just, a, like, like, an Earth Kingdom outpost. Oh, okay. They were going to give them an escort to Omashu. Mm-hmm. So they go to the outpost with General Fang and he is like, hey, we should militarize and weaponize the Avatar state. And Aang is like, no, that's a terrible idea. And like Katara and Sokka are like, that's a terrible idea. And Fang just completely guilt trips Aang. He's like, yeah, but look at all these soldiers. They just like they came back and they're injured. And these are the ones that did come back. Like if you went into the Avatar state and tried to kill the fire lord now like think of all the lives you would save ang mm-hmm. and i'm like this dude this dude what a jerk he's a real jerk like he like clearly like does not understand the avatar state despite wanting to use it so badly like he probably just heard about the immense power and he doesn't care about what it does to the avatar as a person to go into that state and um yeah (laughs) that's all he cares about is the immense power yeah that's all he cares about although i will say it's really funny to watch them like try to invoke the avatar state and they give Aang the tea and he just gets hyper it's like nah this is just caffeine yeah it's just caffeine but uh so it it doesn't work and ang is basically like i'm gonna tell the general that i can't go into the avatar state it's not gonna work there's like a little moment of like a bait and switch where fang is like okay sure yeah we won't we won't do that we won't invoke the Avatar state, but he's gonna, you know, he's gonna. <laughs> and um, he basically realizes that in order to invoke the Avatar state, he has to like threaten Katara. 
which is honestly like kind of clever, like when you break it down. But the thing that makes me so crazy is like Fang was like willing to kill a child. Yeah. Like he was 100% ready to kill Aang, to kill Katara and possibly kill Sokka. He was like 100% ready, which is like uh, you're in a you're an adult. Like these are children. Like, yes, they're immensely powerful children. But like like he was just no no remorse he was a hundred percent ready to kill a child and that's like crazy to me <laughs> it, it's it's terrifying it's just that's what war does to people mm-hmm. like at all all costs at any means yeah get the goal done mm-hmm. and that's actually something that i want to talk about because something that i love about this show and this is not the first example of this but something i love about this show is the gray morality of everyone because mm. in a lot of children's shows it's very black and white which i understand that makes sense but um, Avatar has always been very, very gray in its morality. It's never the Fire Nation versus everyone else. Fire Nation bad, everyone else good. Obviously, a lot of the Fire Nation is bad. But there are plenty of examples in the Water Tribes, in the Earth Kingdoms. Not really the Air Nomads, just because we don't really like see them. But like in those other two like factions where there are terrible people. People who hurt others, people who exploit others, people who do the wrong thing. And there are people in the Fire Nation who do the good thing, who are victims, you know. And and I think it's so important that the show shows us that. That it shows us that even people who are on the good side, I say with air quotes, um, can be bad. I mean, Fang is an example of this. And later on, we meet like the Dai Li and stuff. And, and so... You know, war doesn't necessarily always have a good and a bad side. It's usually very muddled. And I think it's very brave of Avatar to try and do that. And and they do it so well. Like, they mm. really do succeed, I think, at portraying a gray morality in a children's show. You know, it's, yeah. it's really quite impressive. I was going to bring that up for the third episode. I forgot the t- Oh, Return to Amashu. Mm-hmm. When Aang returns Tom Tom to his parents. Yeah. He's there. He sits there for a little while, watching them reunite and be all loving. Mm-hmm. I I could only imagine what's going through his head because yeah. he smiles. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, these are still Fire Nation, but they're still people. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that they do very. They, um, yeah. They do a great job mixing the gray. Yeah. Um. So basically, Fang almost suffocates Katara. Um, and he like. And he, like, pushes Sokka out of the way, basically. And Aang goes into the Avatar state and completely decimates that area. Like, mm. he just goes berserk. And Fang realizes maybe invoking the Avatar state is not the key to defeating the Fire Lord. Especially now when Aang is still so inexperienced at using it. Mm-hmm. And then we get this. I feel like something that we should Aang should have gotten a long time ago. but. Since Roku's scene ain't going berserk, it's like, maybe this is a good time to explain the Avatar State. Yeah. Like, <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Roku. I, I think in book one, that probably would have been a good time, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, he says, it's time that you learn. Like, really, dude? <laughs> now? Yeah. But not, not any of the times we were just sailing over water with nothing else to do. Now? All right. <laughs> he, he takes Aang on this very beautiful visual journey of all the Avatars explaining that. The glow is 
all your past lives focusing their energy through you. Like mm-hmm. that's that's powerful shit, man. Yeah. And we see all all the avatars. We see Kyoshi. We see Kurok. We see Yang Cheng, mm-hmm. and we see an unnamed um, Fire Nation avatar that's never named, but we see him. I assume it's the one before uh, Roku. Yeah. Like the one that the fire bender before Roku, so before mm. Yang Chen. Mm. Yeah, I assume. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. We just never got his name. Yeah, and then and then now we finally learn that if you are killed in Avatar State, mm-hmm. the cycle ends. Yeah, this this is the episode that brings that up. It's a very important piece of exposition that they put there, which mm. I think is brilliant. Mm-hmm. That they drop it off in the first episode for you to just kind of mull over and like almost forget. Until the very, very end when everything happens in Ba Sing Se. Yeah. Um, brilliant. <laughs> that's how you that's how you use exposition. That's how you do it right. You just put it there in the beginning and you let everyone simmer on it and think about it and like put it in the back of their mind and then surprise, it was important. Like, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. So all that happens and Ang and Katar and Sokka basically show the general why you don't mess with them and they're like do you still want a, a you know guy to abashu and they're like yeah we're good <laughs> meanwhile <laughs> uh zuko and iroh are like kind of hiding out in this little hut and iroh brings in a bunch of shells mm-hmm. and the reason i bring this up is because iroh's like oh these shells are so pretty and then later 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 on in book three when they go to the beach Zuko gives May a shell and he's like, the oh, shell, wow. don't girls like that? I think Zuko learned that from Iroh and that's really cute. <laughs> I never I never picked that up. I mean, who knows? But like, <laughs> I just think that maybe he like in the back of his mind was like, Uncle Iroh said these are very pretty and worth something. I'll give one to May. <laughs> I'm sure that was the connection. You know, um, anyway, Azula comes to them and she's like, oh, father wants you back. Father, you know not like misses you but like father kind of regrets the way he acted he wants you back notice that azula does not look at zuko when she says that Hmm. now azula as we later learn is very very good at lying and she has no issue lying but i just think it's interesting that this one particular lie that she tells she cannot look at zuko when she says it Maybe she wouldn't be able to say it with a straight face. I mean, yeah, th- that's like, possible. Father wants you. Back. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, I think, yeah, no, I just think that's really interesting that like she she's able to lie so convincingly that like later on Toph can't tell that she's lying, but like this particular lie she can't say to his face. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe for the reasons you say, you know, um, or maybe because like Zuko would be able to tell or maybe because she wouldn't be able to handle seeing like the hope on Zuko's face like it would hurt too much who knows she offers she she tells them that Zuko's father wants him back that his banishment is basically over come to the boat so Iroh is like this is a trap and Zuko's like no it's not um because he's a stupid 16 year old and so they go to the boat and the like captain of the boat like lets it slip at their prisoners not <laughs> not guess and azula goes to shoot lightning and iroh grabs her hand and redirects it and it's awesome it's cool so scene. cool it's cool so scene. so cool um this is also like the first time that we see azula like use lightning like that's really cool because 
up until this point we've only ever seen firebenders use fire so mm-hmm. it's it's really cool to like see her use lightning and be like oh she's she's not someone to mess with like she's really skilled she's really powerful and then to see iroh just like shoot it back up into the sky is really really cool that that shot and that whole scene of azula azula knocking zuko down mm-hmm. and we see everything from zuko's perspective everything's all hazy because he's a little um out of it from being knocked over yeah it's, it's just something about that shot seeing how hazy zuko is see just seeing azula azula just standing there and then she prepares the lightning mm-hmm. that that whole i don't know it gives me chills it's mm-hmm. like she was really ready like just to end zuko's life oh, right yeah. then and there Oh yeah. If it wasn't for Iro, yeah. Zuko would not be here. Yeah. Oh yeah, she she's ruthless. Mm-hmm. Also something that's really cool about the fight with Azula is she doesn't like firebend at all. She's just like Barely, yeah. hitting him and like blocking and evading while he's like putting all this like, energy out using his firebending, using those cool like dagger things. That's so cool, <laughs> man. Like he looks like he's holding a fire dagger. Um but yeah, like he is putting forth all this energy and like using his firebending and she's not. She She's like, whatever, dude. Like, let me just swerve out of the way. Like, it, it's really, you see kind of the difference in their skill level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, not that not that Zuko is a bad fighter or a bad firebender. We know he's not. But compared to her, he's just not at her level. Because Azula has better composure. She does. She has, like, complete control over her emotions right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know, as we later learn in book two, that Zuko is constantly battling with good and evil inside him. Mm-hmm. So when, whenever he's angry, it's just like he's wild, missing swings, missing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah, because also because as we later find out, like he, when he has better control over his emotions and he doesn't use anger to and rage to fuel his firebending, he's better. Yes. With Azula, her like anger and her rage work with her firebending but zuko he can't firebend that way and so when he's kind of forced to it doesn't work as well yeah you know um and then basically so they escape from missoula and they cut their hair because they're now fugitives and it's a shedding of their honor it's a shedding of their heritage um it's so symbolic to like look at the the shot of the hair in the water like floating away um and i think while the show has been setting up suko's redemption since the very first episode this moment when they cut their hair that i think is the moment that the redemption arc starts mm. like that is the moment you know because he's no longer like prince suko new he's, beginnings yeah he's lee you know he he is someone else now and um i think this is the moment that we see the redemption arc really kick in and really start like it's this point you know i agree also like good for iroh like he he's willing to you know be with zuko no matter what which is like sweet and even um kind of mentions that when uh in the very beginning i'm not sure exactly what zuko said but said something along the lines of um i want my father to love me or something like that and iroh goes i love you Mm -hmm. like so you should listen to me because I, I want the best for you. You yeah. think your father, I love you. Yeah. That's, I thought that was very telling. Yeah. Well, Iroh does love Zuko and we've yeah. seen that. Um, this episode 
is also the first episode, the first time that we see Sokka with his hair down. Whoo, Sokka oh, with his hair down. Next episode. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, hey, he's cute with his hair down. He really is. All right. He's I'll, cute with his hair down. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I think this is a good, I think, first episode to mm-hmm. like kickstart you into the new season, you know? Yeah. All right. Oh, and an, uh, another passing of the torch moment that I missed yeah. that you reminded me of What was when they left um, the northern water tribe mm-hmm. when they left Paku yeah we go we went from blue to all the the blue waterbenders to all the green earthbenders mm. like passing like alright this is book two now yeah Earth, earthbending that's true yeah. yeah it's just a complete visual color shift mm-hmm. you know um, yeah that is cool <laughs> okay mm-hmm. on to the second episode the Cave of Two Lovers. Yes. I did not realize this episode was so... Um, I did not realize that this episode was so soon in the season. I thought it was later. Mm. I didn't realize it was the second episode. I was pumped. I was like, yeah! <laughs> Secret tunnel! Secret tunnel! Um, <laughs> uh, I was watching it and my mom was in the other room like listening to the episode. And I was like, mom, you're missing it. This is like the best episode. Mom, it has an absolute bop. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> the music is very good. It's a, it's a fun episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so this episode starts with like Aang and Katara and Sokka like chilling in a lake or river. They're just like practicing their water bending. One thing I, I want to like mention, those tattoos must have hurt. Like I just, like I feel bad for Aang. <laughs> uh they probably did like the old fashioned way too. Like, Where they like hit like a nail, not like a nail, but like a needle, a needle. into his skin. Yeah. yeah. Ouch. Yeah. And he got it like all down his back, on his spine. And that's the like worst place. Yeah. To that's, to. he's a tough kid. Mm-hmm. He is a really tough kid. I mean, he is the avatar. That is true. That is true. <laughs> I mean, I mean, who's to say that they have like similar tattooing practices, but I imagine that they do. Mm-hmm. Ouch, man. Yeah. All on his like feet and his hand. Ugh, ouch, man. <laughs> Anyway, um, so they're chilling in a river and they come across a bunch of nomads and the nomads explain that in order to get to Amashu, they have two options. They can either fly or they can go through the mountains. And <laughs> this this episode has that meme that I absolutely love, which is like, um, you know what? We're going to go with this plan, with plan A. We'll be fine. And then it cuts to, <laughs> like, everything bad happening. And then it cuts to, okay, so we're going to go with plan B. Like, <laughs> I love that meme so much. I love it. I love that this episode does that. It's a classic. This episode is also, like, everybody's an idiot in this episode. And I just love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, everyone is so stupid in this episode. This is driving. And, like, Sokka always tries to bring a little bit sense to it. Yeah. But he just gives up. Yep. At the end, it's like, whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's Sokka. Sokka, despite being, like, the comic relief, Sokka is, I think, the most serious. Um, but I think something that's so amazing is that throughout the series, I think Sokka definitely, like, gets a bit less serious. Mm. Like, something that struck me about this episode, having, wa- like, watching it again after having watched it in that huge, like, binge, like, you know, a couple of months ago is Sokka is like, no rainbows, like no rainbows when they're telling the story. But later on when he like meets Piondo and he paints the picture, he draws a rainbow. Wow. Like, 
like every character goes through a journey and i think Sokka's journey is kind of just to like be a kid Mm -hmm. which makes sense because for his whole life he's kind of been he can't be a kid like he had to take care of his sister he has to take care of the avatar he's the oldest out of all of them so he kind of has to be the adult so i think you know part of his journey Sokka's journey is learning to kind of just relax and be a kid and be silly you know yeah yeah you're picking but, up on all the stuff. Yeah. Um, this episode I love because like <laughs> I couldn't help but watch and being like, oh, my God, Ang invented the flower crown meme. Ang, <laughs> what a trendsetter. He was wearing a flower crown like years before it was popular. <laughs> Ang, avatar during the day, trendsetter at night. Yeah. But also he looks adorable yeah. in that flower crown. Ang is such a soft boy. I love him so much. He's so precious. I love him. But yeah, they, uh, <laughs> so basically they, they decide with the nomads, they're going to go through the tunnel. Um, and the tunnel has like a song to it. And the idea is that there are these two lovers and they created all these tunnels to get from one side of the mountain to the other. And there's a song and it's a bop secret tunnel, secret tunnel through the mountains <laughs> Secret, 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 secret tunnel. That's like a fun fact about that, about the dancers. Yeah. Um, during uh during like one of the marathons back in the day, when they were showing fun facts yeah. underneath, uh, they said that the dances were inspired by the animators. Oh, because like, that's how the, some of the animators dance. That's really like, cute. Right. <laughs> that's really cute. They named two specific animators too. I forgot the names. Um, so I was like, wow. Way to call them out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I knew all the words to the song. It was very funny. So then it cuts to uh, Zuko and Iroh, and they are trying to, like, forge through the forest. Zuko's hair is already okay. Mm. Like, because when he he cuts off the the phoenix tail, it's like, ooh, that's not a good look. It's like a weird triangle, like, patch Mm. in the the back of his head, and you're like, ooh, that's going to grow out uneven. But no, he works it. He just has, like, a really, really short, like, buzz cut kind of thing. You know, it works. He looks cute. He already, it's already an improvement. It's already an improvement. Um, And Iroh's like, ah, this flower, delectable tea or deadly poison? (laughs) Well, wise old man, that was a pretty... I tell you, this episode, everybody's an idiot. It's great. (laughs) And I love how when Zuko comes back, he comes back with the fishing, um, the giant pole. And there's the music, it's the tiny ass fish. I know. And there's that. And then we see Iroh sitting in the same position, same spot, saying, remember that flower? And Zuko's just like, you did it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I did. And it was poison. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and then he's like, ah, this bush, it's either a cure or it will cause blindness. He's like, enough with the plants. <laughs> and how they debate. They're just like, we need to find help. But who's going to help us? We're fugitives. If we go to the Earth Kingdom, we'd be killed. If we go back to the Fire Nation, we'll be turned to Azula. Earth Kingdom it is. Yeah, I love it. They're like, yeah, that's, that's the safer option. Um, <laughs> um, I feel you know who I feel bad for in this episode. Hmm. Appa, Appa's yeah. having a rough time in this episode. First, he like 
you know, he, he gets annoyed by the nomads like braiding his hair. He's rolling his eyes. And then and then he gets shot at with fire when they try to fly over. And then he has to go underground and he doesn't like that. And then the where uh, the wolf bats attack and like they get separated. Like, oh, poor, poor Appa. He has a hard time in this episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The gang with the nomads, they get separated in the tunnel so it's appa katara and ang and then all the nomads and sokka which like poor sokka he's with these guys and he keeps like hitting himself on the head because it's like the the nomads are like stoned you know they basically are (laughs) yeah they really are um i don't know if it's a reference i don't know if it's a reference but the the main nomad's name is chong i mean what would that be a reference to uh cheech and chong Cheech and Chong, they were, uh, they're characters from like movies in like the, uh, in like the seventies. Um, it's, it's basically like movies about like stoners. Uh So like, you know, like Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Right. It was that in the seventies. Like they, they kind of invented Cheech Marin and Tommy Chong invented that genre of like stoner comedy. So I don't know if it's a reference to Tommy Chong um that they named that character chong i mean it's it's an asian name so they could have just chosen that name um but i don't know i I like to think that it's a reference to tommy chong because like the kids won't get it but the parents will it could be yeah yeah um yeah so (laughs) um this episode i also think like is really is really sweet because it's proof that katara likes ang just as much as he likes her yeah because she's the one who suggests they kiss. Like, she's the one who kind of, like, puts it together um, that, that like, the whole thing, the whole reason that all these caves and these tunnels exist is because these two people loved each other and they wanted to be together. And this was the only way they could. Um, and she's the one who suggests that they kiss. Like, mm, Katara likes him back, man. And then Aang goes, I'd rather kiss you than die. <laughs> Ah, oh, boring. Yeah, swing and a miss. He doesn't know any better. <laughs> but um, what's uh, what's cool during book two was Nickelodeon. They did a thing on Nickelodeon.com, Nick.com, where Katara had a diary, and mm-hmm. she she would write like uh, she'll have diary entries for each episode. So it went oh, back cool. from book one to book two. However, they just stopped it. Um. At this episode. So. What? <laughs> so the little kid me. Because you know. It goes all dark. You yeah. don't know if they kissed or not. Watching it now. I don't I don't think they kissed. I don't think they kissed either. Yeah. But little kid me. I was just like. What the fuck? <laughs> so I go. I go to see. What, what's the diary entry. To see if she like. You know. Give the deets. <laughs> no. They stopped. Oh, I was like. Come on. <laughs> that stings. This was the one. I really wanted Yeah. You really wanted to know. I don't think they kissed though. No. They did Because. Um. Because Sinnet, like, thematically, it it makes their kiss on, uh, I think, like, Day of the Black Sun more important mm-hmm. if that's their first kiss. Um, yeah. I think they were about to, and then all the crystals lit up, but, you know. Yeah. Which is pretty, by the way. Those crystals are very pretty. They're beautiful. Yeah. And then they get out of the cave, and Appa, like, flops on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. all out. Yeah. And, um, and you discover that... <laughs> Sokka and the Nomads, they never figured out that they just needed to like be in the dark. They, the badger moles just saved them. <laughs> I like the Sokka's little song. Yeah. Like, badger moles, don't 
eat me. Come on, guys, help me out. Yeah. And then Chunk comes in, the big bad vegetables <laughs> who lives in the case. They hate the wolf bass, but they love the sound. Yeah. Uh, the, the music, Chunk, and like all his little short songs. Yeah, they're great. They're really great. Um, also, this is, this is a really cool episode because we learn that the badger moles were the first earthbenders. Yes. We learned that they were the ones who taught Oma and Shu, who were the first, like, people earthbenders. So mm. that's really cool. Like, this episode just gives us a lot of really interesting backstory. Like, not only do we get backstory about, like, earthbenders, but we get backstory about Omashu. Yeah. Omashu, I'm sorry. Um, as, like, a city. And that's kind of cool, you know. Um, so, yeah, they get out. And uh, meanwhile, <laughs> um, Sokka, not Sokka, um, Zuko and Iroh get to, like, a healer, basically. And her name is Song, and she helps out um, Iroh and Zuko, otherwise known as Lee, and his uncle Mushi. <laughs> Iroh's face was like, really, Mushi? <laughs> All right. And, you know, he's named after his father, so we just call him Junior. <laughs> <laughs> like the dynamic between the two. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, and they go to dinner at Song's uh, house with her mom, and we see... And and this is important for Zuko because Zuko finally sees the consequences of the Fire Nation mm. because he sees that Song has been badly burned and he knows and he learns that Song's father like died in the war, I think is what they say. Pretty much. Yeah, died in the war. So he sees firsthand the the like you know the reach and the destruction that the Fire Nation brings and it's kind of like his first spark that maybe this war is not a good thing maybe mm. it's not great that the fire nation is like invading all these places um you know it's important for zuko it's like everything is starting to like build on top of each other you know starting with like this you know and i think it's also important that song and her mother offer zuko kindness despite how he looks despite who he is like they don't know who he is but like you know um it's important you know, mm-hmm. and then he steals her ostrich horse. <laughs> ah. uh, Zuko, he, you know what? Zuko is very like a one step forward, two steps back kind of guy. You know, <laughs> that's just who he is. That's very true. I hope that like after he becomes Fire Lord, he like sends them a new ostrich horse. I hope he sends them like three. Yeah, I, I would hope so. Yeah, I would hope so. He He's that kind of kid. I feel like he would, you know, hmm. he'd be like. By the way, and then like Song walks outside and she's like, what? <laughs> there are all these horses. So Zuko and Iroh go off into the night and Katara, Sokka and Aang head towards Omashu. And it's bad. Yep. It's bad. It's been taken over by the Fire Nation. Um, Instead of being this beautiful sand colored and green colored city, it's now gray and shooting out smoke. Mm-hmm. You know, I love I love the the aesthetic of like smoke and gray being like a symbol of the Fire Nation invading. Like every time that the Fire Nation goes somewhere that they're not wanted, there's like a visual depiction of that. So it's either the 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 black soot that mm-hmm. like rains down or it's like black or it's like smoke. Like when they're running from the Fire Nation into the tunnel, they see the smoke in the distance. Like I love those visual reminders of like the danger that the Fire Nation is and yeah. um, you know. So yeah, Omashu is uh, not doing well, but Aang says that they have to go find Boomy because he has to be his earthbending teacher. And beautiful transition into the next episode, Return to Omashu. Mm-hmm. 
and um and it's, and it's, it shows how much Aang cares for Bumi because mm-hmm. Katara and uh Katara and Sokka are just like uh listen we'll we can find you another earthbending teacher and he's just like it's not about finding a teacher anymore like yeah. I gotta find my friend gotta make sure you're all right yeah you know yeah because Bumi's kind of like all he has right now yeah um, at least from his old life. Yeah. And um, so instead of going into the city as um, <laughs> Pippin Patalopsicopolis the <laughs> third and his family, um, they go through the sewers. Um, poor Sokka. <laughs> uh, just covered in sewage. Yeah. Like, Ag is like blowing it back with like wind and Katara is like moving it. And he's just like getting like facefuls and face. I mean, one of them could have helped him out. Yeah, they could have. They didn't, but they could have. <laughs> And then they get out, and he has, like, a pentapus stuck to him, which are so cute. Mm-hmm. They're, like, little, like, squishy octopuses. They're so cute. They're adorable. They're really, really cute. And <laughs> and I love this episode because, like, it just shows, I think, you know, how, like, easy it is to persuade people about things. Because the guards come, and Katara's like, oh, yeah, he uh, he's sick. He has pentapox. And the guy's like, I think my cousin died of that. <laughs> And then later on in the episode, the mayor of Amashu is like, I think I heard someone who died about that. Like, it's not a real disease at all. Like, they're just like, yeah, so that's that's kind of cute. So they're able to, like, get away by pretending that Sokka's, like, sick and he, like, really hams it up. I couldn't help but think. I was all like, oh, there's a little foreshadow for COVID. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> we have to go. We have to go wash our hands and burn our clothes. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Um. Something that I, I want to ask is, I, I know that the creators knew basically where they were going to take the characters, like with the whole show, like they knew where they started and where they were going to end up. They knew the basic arcs, but I I just feel like were Lee and Lowe, the like old women that watch Azula, were they supposed to be something else? Because like when we first meet them, they, I thought they were, like, her firebending teachers. Like, I thought that they were these, like, great masters, the way that they, like, talk about, like, her form and stuff. Um, But then we later find out that they're kind of just, like, her babysitters. Mm. And they can't even firebend. Like, I just thought that was so weird. I was, like, I wonder if, like, the creators, like, originally planned for them to be slightly different than they are. Because mm. when we first kind of meet them, they give off a different impression than what they actually are, as we find out later in the series. You know, that's a that's a good point. Um, I don't know for sure. I with me, I never actually like felt a, a tone shift mm-hmm. with them. Um, like when when it's revealed that they were essentially just her, like her babysitters, I initially took that as oh, so they're just there to make sure she's in somewhat in check, because. At the end of the day, Ozai is a monster, mm-hmm. but he's smart. Mm-hmm. And 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 this is just like my own headcanon. Yeah, yeah. I believe that since uh, Zuko's and Azula's mom isn't around, Azula still needs a, some type of mother figure in her life. Mm-hmm. So maybe um, Ozai was just like, all right. You two, you're going to watch over Azula, make sure that she's good, make sure that she's disciplined and all that. But just, you know, just give her, be her mother figures. Mm. Because, like, yeah. you, you ain't got one. Yeah. 
Because she still needs that. Yeah, I mean, and and it's clear that they're not very motherly, so, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, I was just wondering, just because, like, when I first... I remember when I first watched this episode and we kind of are introduced to them, I was like, oh, are these like her firebending teachers or something? And then we find out that they're literally just like her babysitters. And I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> well, all right, then. Yeah. But so we are they're in Omashu and it's been recently taken over by the Fire Nation. Um, and we are introduced to May, my yes. goth babe, GF. <laughs> I love her so much. Like, she is one of my favorite characters. Granted, I pretty much love every character in this show. Like, I will gladly say, like, oh my gosh, Aang is my favorite character. Oh my gosh, Sokka is my favorite character. Oh my gosh, Katara is my favorite character. Like, Suki is probably my favorite character. Mm. Um, I, Oh, but I really like Sokka, too. Suki's <laughs> my favorite character. And then I think it, it's, like, Suki, Mei, Sokka... And then, like, maybe, like, a tie between, like, Katara and Zuko. Hmm. Like, that isn't to say that I don't like other characters, but, like, oh, man, I love May. I just, something, I don't know what it is about her that I just love, but I just love how, like, deadpan she is. And I I also just love how capable she is. Like, she is clearly very skilled and very smart, and um, I just love her a lot. I just love May so much. She's a good character. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so we are introduced to May and her family, and they're the ones that are controlling um, Omashu. And then we cut to uh, Azula uh, deciding that she needs more people to be able to, um, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, to get her brother back, basically. So she calls on her old friend, Ty Lee. And we meet Ty Lee, who is adorable and bubbly and pink, and she's a circus performer and... <laughs> Um, and, you know, we, we start to see like Azula's dynamic with her friends and it's a very interesting one because Tylee's like, well, you know, I'm happy in the circus. I don't want to leave. Thanks for coming. You know, bye. And Azula's like, oh no, I'm going to stay and watch your show. And like, you see Tylee like falter Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh man, what's going to happen? Azula basically... By order of being like the princess and in charge, she basically commands the the circus to be like dangerous, like set the net on fire, let loose all the animals. Meanwhile, Ty Lee's like 40 feet in the air balancing on like a pole. Um, and you and you can clearly see that, like. If maybe you thought that like Azula and Ty Lee were like actually friends, it's very clear that they're not that the reason that Ty Lee goes along with Azula is because she's afraid and because she realizes that it's safer to yeah. join Azula than to fight her. You yeah. know, like, you know, like I thought going to the circus was your desk was like your calling. And she's like, well, Azula called louder like Ty Lee. And I'm going to get into this later as we like go forward in the show and we see more of Ty Lee. Ty Lee's very, very smart. She's much smarter than I think people give her credit for. Um, I think her and May have a very, acute sense of self-preservation where they realize that like it's better to just go along with Azula than try to fight her you know I'm sure in the beginning of their friendship when they were kids they had to learn that lesson the hard way that like you don't argue against Azula you don't fight against Azula because you know stuff can happen you can die at a circus you know like Mm. yeah Azula is definitely uh terrifying yeah um just something about Gray Griffin's performance, you could hear 
the and it's not even insanity, but you 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 could hear the at the demonic is not really the word I'm looking for, but I'm gonna use it. Mm-hmm. You could hear like how twisted Azula is, like mm-hmm. the way uh she delivers her performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a little bit of a side note, but Dante, the voice of Zuko mm-hmm. and Gray Griffin, they were at a little panel together. It was just the two of them. Mm-hmm. And a fan asked what would happen if uh if if uh, Zuko went on a life-changing mission with Azula. Oh yeah. And Gray in the voice of Azula, completely in character, she was just like, I'll be pregnant. <laughs> what? Right? Like weird. Like what the f- but you know, I'm over I'm watching, I was like, what the fuck? Like yeah, yeah, y'all siblings. You're not supposed to say that. But I think it makes sense for Azula's character because she's just so twisted. Like she would say something like that to like throw Oh, to throw us off the scent or something? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, um So just hearing so so really paying attention to like so with that in my head and really pay attention to her performance now, I'm just like, wow, like she really knows how to just um uh, with just her voice alone, just yeah. Like, I'll give you chills and the everything. inflections that she chooses are very well done you mm-hmm. know she she's really good at playing those like i don't want to say like micro expressions because it's animated but she's really good at playing those like micro shifts um mm-hmm. really really well yeah um so yeah so ty lee joins with azula and we cut back to omashu and momo is a kidnapper momo is a baby kidnapper um this part reminded me of rugrats so much because mm. like this kid is like about to fall off a freaking roof and he like magically does it and like it's very <laughs> rugrats it's very rugrats i thought that was funny it's funny that you bring that up because that's pretty much tara strong doing her and dill yeah yeah i recognize the voice so yeah maybe this i mean obviously like we don't know 100 percent what was an homage and what wasn't but mm. it very much felt like rugrats mm. you know the whole sequence of like momo running away from the baby and so basically they convince all the people in Omashu, the resistance, that it's better to, like, fight another day. That, you know, you have to realize, like, the importance of, and as we learn later, the moral of this episode is, like, waiting and listening um, and not necessarily striking first. That it's better sometimes to regroup and save your strength. So they basically send all the villagers out with the fake pentapox disease and the baby goes out with them mm-hmm. um, because they're not watching their child for whatever reason. They just like let their baby go like, OK, um, <laughs> they don't have a nanny, whatever. I mean, they're like the mayor. They could afford a nanny anyway. Knowing that there's a resistance. Yeah, they're like not watching the baby anyway. Mm. So <laughs> they realize that the baby is with the resistance and Sokka's like, it's an evil baby. It's a fire <laughs> baby. And, and, you know. Katara's like, no, he's so cute. Does this look like an evil baby to you? <laughs> but even the general is just like, yeah, but wait until he grows up and starts firebending at us. He's not going to be so cute then. Yeah, it's a good point. Mm-hmm. It's a very good point. This episode, I think, because that's not the only time that like that sort of thing has been brought up. Not necessarily in Avatar, but just in general, like, you know, so much of who you are as a person is based on where you're raised and how you're raised. And so 
it's sad because, you know, at one point, every Fire Nation soldier was a baby, an mm -hmm. innocent little baby, and now they're not. And, you know, you know, it's sad, but they, they realize that they have to return the baby. They can't keep the baby. And um, they send a messenger hawk and say they're going to do a trade. For the for Tom Tom for the baby they'll give King Boomy, um, who, when the Fire Nation attacked, basically said, "Let's not do anything. Let's not let's not fight. Let's not do anything." And so everyone was a little bit like King Boomy, what the fuck? Mm. <laughs> like you're one of the most powerful Earthbenders. You're not even gonna try to fight. And he's like, "Nope, nope, not gonna fight. We'll just see what happens." So I, in that way, I understand why the resistance like exists, like mm. why they formed because i would be mad too yeah i would be very mad i think it's Sokka who's like this is probably a trap right so they go to deliver the baby and um azula comes to amashu and she joins up with may and like it's kind of like a little interesting because when she sees may like there is like maybe not i don't know how to say it but like I think Azula is like happy to see May. Mm -hmm. I think just like she was happy to see Ty Lee. I think she she enjoys spending time with these girls. Um, but the thing about Azula is despite the enjoyment that she may get out of her spending time with them, at the end of the day, everyone in Azula's life is someone to use, yeah. is a pawn that she has to use. And so that I think is why you know, eventually when everything happens, the betrayal hits her so much harder because she never viewed May and Ty Lee and Zuko like people. She viewed them like machines, like weapons that she could use and utilize. Um, but it is kind of like, but at this very moment, it's kind of nice to be like, oh, they're all like friends and they're all like reunited together. Yeah. You know. Um, so it seems. <laughs> I love that May is like, are you here to kill me? <laughs> Oh like, man! Please do. Yeah, but then she sees Ty Lee and they hug and it's cute. Um, and then it's like, so they they bring Boomy down to do the trade and they have the baby and out of the smoke comes Oza's angels. Like the ooh, we got a bad bitch over here. These girls are back in action. They're ready to take some names and kick ass. Oh my like, god, Oza's angels. That's what apparently they were called. Really? Yeah, oh, not in the show, but like in the fandom. Fan yeah. I thought that was something you just coined. No, no, I've seen it on like Tumblr. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's like really meant to be serious. I think mm. it's meant to be like funny, but right. that's what I've seen. Ozax Angels. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, they, they're about to do the trade and then Azula's like, wait a second. We're training a baby for an old man who's an earthbender. I don't think that's a fair deal. And they cut the deal. I don't think May was okay with that. No? I don't think she was. But I think she realized that she could not argue against Azula. Hmm. Yeah. I just thought... I viewed it as, like, just May being cold and heartless. Well, I mean, she's very good at that. Right. She's very good at portraying that... Um, that veneer. Um, but I don't know if, if... Like... You know... Azula's basically saying, like, oh, they can keep your baby brother. Bye. Like, I don't know if I'd be okay with that. Like, right. you know. Um, yeah, but I just, the way that that little part is shot, like, it goes, like, I don't think this is a fair trade. And it cuts to Tom Tom being adorable. And then it cuts to May. And she's like, 
yeah, I think you're right. Keep the baby. Like, mm. I don't know. Like, maybe it's like me projecting, but I think, you know, it's it's just more proof to add on that Azula doesn't care about her friends and that they are very they're they're very much into the art of self-preservation you know at the cost of other things Mm -hmm. you know and that they fear her like more than they want things to happen it's a good point wow yeah like i said i might be projecting but no it makes sense you know i think i think that moment was the moment for may that like the the in the circus moment was for tylee that like azula Mm. doesn't care about you she's just here to use you Mm. are you going to accept or are you going to try and fight her what's it going to be and they both chose to accept because it was safer yeah yeah um but yeah so they call off the deal and a fight it's a fight now and um we see like may using her knives and she's like so cool with those knives um and, you know, we see like Tylee, like, you know, doing all these cool flips and kicks and fighting. And something that I really like about the show is they never like portray non-benders as like weak or unable to fight. Like there are plenty of benders in the show and there are plenty of non-benders and the the benders and the non-benders are usually pretty equal in terms of fighting. You know, where one has an advantage, the other has a disadvantage and vice versa. So, like, Katara is fighting against Mei. And, like, even though Katara has waterbending and she's so powerful, Mei is too. And she's holding her own. Yeah. And, like, Sokka is able to, like, get them with their with his boomerang and stuff. Like, it's an equal fight despite... It being uneven in terms of like the power that each one has. Mm-hmm. And I just really like that about the show that it, it shows that you don't necessarily need bending to be a skilled and powerful fighter. Um, and having and and not being able to bend an element doesn't make you weaker or less than. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because May has her knives and she's she's very agile too. Yes. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. And Tai Lee, she... She knows how to chi block. Yeah, and she, she does it to Katara, yeah. and which is an amazing skill. Like that's a crazy cool thing to be able to do to just stop someone almost in their tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then they, uh, Ang is able to free Boomy, and they go sliding down the uh, the mail chutes, <laughs> and it's discovered that like Boomy can earth bend with his face, which is crazy, <laughs> and um. Boomy basically explains that he can't be Aang's teacher because Aang needs an earthbending teacher who waits and listens. And, you know, and I think Boomy's right. I mean, number one, Boomy, I don't think can be Aang's teacher because like, even though he's crazy and pretty agile, he he's like a 112 year old man. Like he can't just go off gallivanting across the the world. You know, he has to, you know, stay. Um, also he has like white Lotus shit to do, like, (laughs) which we don't know yet, but like, but he's like, I got to go do some other stuff. I'm like, bye. See you at the end of the show. (laughs) Like go do your white Lotus stuff. Um, but Ang, yeah, but he, I think it's so important that Boomy explains that Ang needs an earthbender who waits and listens because that's always, I think, been Ang's like kind of problem is that he, 
he he doesn't pause he isn't kind of like calm he always rushes ahead um and later when he meets his earthbending teacher i think he does learn that valuable lesson of Mm. of standing still and grounding yourself because he's an earth he's an airbender you know he's the classic example he's up in the clouds he's floating around you know yeah it's like a it's a complete contrast to what he's naturally used to doing exactly yeah um I also think it's funny that, like, he's like, well, there are three types of jing. Positive jing, negative jing, neutral jing. And he's like, actually, there's 37 types of jing. But, like, let's just focus on the Yeah, on the three. Um, Yeah, and then, um, so they say goodbye to Boomy, and Aang returns Tom Tom. He returns their baby, um, which is sweet, because Aang's a good boy. And and like you said, he, he sees that at the end of the day... Even though they're Fire Nation, they're just people. They're yeah. people with a baby who were afraid for their child, and now they have their child back. Um, and yeah, and so they, and so the main gang are off to find Aang, an Earthbending teacher, who waits and listens. Yeah, who waits and listens. Meanwhile, um, Azula and her friends know that the Avatar is here. Like, like they saw him airbend, and they're like, oh. Slight change of plans. Not only are we going to get Zuko, but we're going to get the Avatar. And then Tylee is like, ooh, May, Zuko. <laughs> Showing that they had like a little fling. They had a thing mm. before. Um, yeah. All in all, a good start to a season. A good yeah. start to the book. You know, we're introduced to the the main antagonists of this season. We're introduced to the main, like, goal of this season which is ang has to learn earthbending while also avoiding azula meanwhile zuko is going through his redemption you know yeah um avatar the last day i've is, is so good at setting things up oh yeah you know oh yeah all, all of all, all of the way all the books open is like it's just always so great mm-hmm. yeah makes me excited yeah right <laughs> and just one more uh one little thing the chase scene when Azula was chasing Boomy and Aang. It was incredible. Like, yeah, when they're on the, the mail shoots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was so well choreographed. Mm-hmm. How um, they go under the, I don't know what you would call it, the, the railings things. Mm-hmm. And then Aang knocks it down. Azula goes through it. Yeah. Seemingly, she got caught. And then she just like kicks out right up. I like how it wasn't even like head first um, here. It was like you, she was on her back. She, I don't, I don't know what you call it. I call it Shawn Michaels because yeah. in wrestling, Shawn Michaels always did that. So she does the Shawn Michaels, <laughs> and like Zit and Angus is like, "Who is this? <laughs> Who yeah. is this?" Like honestly, um, and 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 I like how Boomy. You can't even tell that Boomy can earthbend from Azula's perspective. She probably thought Aang was the one who put up the rock that blocked her. Yeah. Which which I thought was really um smart on Boomy's part. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. still it's still cover up that he can nerf Ben. Yeah. And, you know, he he basically he, you know, bides his time mm-hmm. because he understands the importance of, you know, watching and waiting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess all that's right. good. Yeah. Um Thank you all for listening. We appreciate your support. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Um, Whether you're listening on Anchor, Spotify, or you're on YouTube. And we'll see you next week. Next time.
拜。Bye.